podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello listeners, I'm Mo Chatra and welcome to a very special episode of Money Talks. Um, been pretty busy um, in the last week or so, week and bit, um, putting out a couple of podcasts um, with Money Talks, but been looking forward to this one for a while and I'm delighted to welcome not one, but two special guests. And on top of that, two guests who happen to both be on the Liverpool Football Club Supporters Board. Um, so first of all, I'm delighted to welcome um, the chair of um, Spirit of Shankly, uh, Joe Blot. How are you doing, Joe? Well, hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really pleased to be joining you all. I'm delighted to have you on an absolute honour and privilege as well to boot. So really glad uh, that you've been able to make time to join uh, today. And um, last but not least um, is um, a fellow Anfield Index podcaster, also on the uh, supports board um, as an independent member of the board. Um, it is um, the one and only Harinda Singh. How are you, Harinda? I'm very good, Mo. I mean, it's only taken 10 years for us to have a podcast together. It will take. <laughs> yeah, better late than never. I'm not bitter, yeah. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So, yeah, delighted to have the, both of you on. I mean, to say, uh, two members of the supporters board as well. Um, so th- there's plenty of topics that I'd like to get stuck into, pretty meaty ones at that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to discussing them um, with you both. But uh, in terms of um, my opening question, this is um, for Joe and by all means, Harina do chip in as well. Um, it's to do uh, with Spirit of Shankly. Um, so obviously you are chair, Joe, of Spirit of Shankly. Um, so can you tell us about um, why and how it was formed? Um, for those that are not aware, um, what role you play within it as the chair and also about some of the key activities that Spirit of Shankly is involved in. Yeah, thanks, Mo, and, and, and hi to everybody. Um, so we celebrated our birthday uh, two weeks ago, uh, 15 years old now, um, which is quite incredible, really, for, uh, for, for what was the initially the first football union and uh, one of the first supporters' trusts as well. So... Um, to have kept going that long, I think uh, everyone who, who's been involved from the outset needs to, needs to give, be given absolute credit. And, and I certainly don't take that credit personally. Um, probably like many uh, Reds fans, I was part of the part of the setup in the Olympia and um, on the march, etc. But but very much under the radar, as it were. Um, mm. So I certainly take no credit for the for the for the wise people who who set it up initially and um, and really gave it the impetus and 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 thrust that we all needed at that time. Um, 
And, you know, you mentioned me being a chair. Uh, something I, I, I genuinely don't take lightly. Um, I, I, I follow in the footsteps of some incredible former chairs, um, former committee members and current committee members, to be honest with you, who, who've just done so much as volunteers, um, not only for, for Liverpool fans, um, but also for Liverpool Football Club in terms of shaping the way it should be, but, but it, even right across the country and even across Europe as well. So, you know, the, it, it's, it's a fantastic role that I've got. And, um, you mentioned some of the kind of activities that we're involved in. Um, I mean, clearly there's the, all the day-to-day stuff that we do and probably goes behind, behind the scenes and unnoticed, but you know, we're, We've got discussions around ticketing virtually every day. Harinda will, will subscribe to that. Um, we, we've got, you know, discussions about access to the stadium, um, what it's like to go to the match. Um, we have issues around um, um, sanctions uh, that are, are given against fans for if, if they've stepped out of line and, you know, working with them as a union would, you know, providing representation for them. Um, but also writing and supporting the club in terms of those sanctions processes as well. So that it's not just about punishment. It's also about education and about support and giving people opportunities to, to have a, to have a, a redress, you know, and um, all of that takes time. It's all, it's all volunteers time and you've got to have meetings to discuss th- these, these meetings. And um, um, sometimes we, we sort of try and follow Liverpool football club on the pitch as well. And um, <laughs> sometimes that's often forgotten. <laughs> that yeah. at, the, at the start of all of this, that's that's all we are. We're just Liverpool fans, and we want to enjoy the game like like everybody else. Um, but if we can improve that opportunity to enjoy the game, you know that that's what we do. And I, I, I suppose that, I mean, this, I don't know if we talk later. There's a few things I'm really proud of, but but I love the work we do in the community, in particular in L4. Now, mm-hmm. um, we, we had a fantastic Christmas do um, uh, over a hundred people. Uh, got you know hot meals um in the local community we've right. got arts classes for kids in the local community now and more importantly what they get as well as also a hot meal at night as well some of them you know so disadvantaged that they wouldn't have that um, um we've got legal advice that's given um in the l4 area as well so it's, you know welfare rights support which 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 is it, bizarrely, you would you, you think it'd be really there, but it isn't. So we we fund that, um, and of course, you know the work with with fan support and food banks, and uh, we've got a, fo- a food pantry that we support um, in Liverpool Eight. Um, but we're hoping, hoping, and more than hoping, we're actually nearly there uh, to have one in L Four as well. And uh, you know, for me, the food pantry is, is is fantastic because for those who don't know, it's actually people just pay a, a subscription fee of £3.50 a week, but they get about £25 to £30 pounds worth of food that's being don- donated by people. Um, it's, you know, absolutely with dignity. It's like a, it's just like going to a supermarket or going to a marketplace uh, to choose your own food. Um, you know, it's not bagged up for you and behind closed doors and you, you want to wear your, your sunglasses and not be seen. It's actually a community activity, community events and, uh, at the same time, we're, we're helping people who, who otherwise would be going hungry. And that's all magnificent work um, in terms of the work you do in the community and uh, really does make a difference to a lot of people. So, uh, you know, and as you say, a lot of it, you know, does go on without a lot of necessarily press and fanfare 
but you know, as I say, the work you do is, is vital for a lot of these people, isn't it? Um, I think just to, just to add, if, if I may, Mo, just in, in terms of um, the, obviously to, to be a member of SOS, you pay ten pound a year. Um, right. Nine pound sixty of that goes towards all those projects because there's forty p admin in terms of the the the, the voluntary company which which does the, does the processing for that. Um, but everything else is spent on either. Uh, campaigns or, or, or these particularly voluntary projects. You know, we're all volunteers. We don't we don't get paid. We don't get expenses. We don't get anything out of out of members um, allowed, uh, members contributions whatsoever. So a member who joins, you know, absolutely one hundred percent gets their their funding um, goes towards either challenging Liverpool, challenging football, or or actually supporting the local community. That's really admirable and. Uh... Obviously, as I say, appreciated by those that benefit from that. Um, so, moving on, and it's obviously something I touched upon right at the start. Um, but both you and Harinda are part of the supporters board, and obviously, the club made a very groundbreaking announcement with the launch of it last year. Um, so, you, um, Joe, are on, on on this supporters board along with eight other members of Spirit of Shankly. And obviously, Harinda is um, also a member is, uh, in an independent capacity. Um, so ca- can you explain for those, again, that are unaware, what the purpose of the supporters board is and also explain about some of the work that it does? Yeah, sure. Um, this is going to be a long podcast, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it <might> be. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, the starting point of it was that clearly the European Super League um, – was the was the disaster waiting to happen that that yeah. we expected um mm. and and i think i think for those who'd been thinking about it we, you know there was there was a bit of forethought gone into this and and obviously if the if the super league had gone ahead we'd be fighting a different route but when it didn't go ahead we we, we actually felt we, we want to make something out of this now um and to be fair that's what liverpool fc wanted as well um certainly the local Groupings around Liverpool FC in terms of the, the, their management here, um, but obviously with support of, of Boston as well. Um, we we felt for some time that our our engagement with with LFC was very good um, on all those day to day issues that I referred to before, but we weren't part of any long term planning process. And again, Harinda would, would would probably hopefully vouch for this given his experience of being on the supporters committee that. Liverpool doesn't seem to either have or share a long-term plan. Um, it must have, I'm sure it does, because it wouldn't be getting the funding it does, etc. without it. But doesn't really share that with fans. Um, mm. So we're never involved in the strategic planning of, 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 of what goes on at the club. Um, so we talk about ticketing and it's on a very often on a either a season-by-season season or on a month-by-month month basis. And what we really need to be talking about is what, what's the future for the next three to five years? You know, uh, what's going to be the benefits for, for my children or my grandchildren? Um, how are we going to make sure that accessibility to the stadium is not only appropriate now, but we'll stand the test of time? You know, how are we making sure that um, for those from faith and ethnicity groups, you know, how they're treated now, but how they're going to be treated in the future and not just kind of deal with the with the, the hopping along of issues that might arise on a, a day-by-day or a week-by-week basis, uh, but actually learn from them and do something with it in a, in a long-term planned way. So I suppose 
it's it's more of a strategic focused board. Um, right. It it looks long term. Um, yep. It doesn't really focus on the here and now. It, it listens to the here and now. It learns from the here and now, but it's about planning for the future. Um, and that's where the the, the the real notion of it all came from was about how can we get that stronger voice and um, and one of the things that um, Spirit of Shank we obviously talked about in its early days it wanted board representation um, and I think at the time that was probably um, more to do with sitting on the board um, but of course football's moved on even more uh, in those fifteen years than than, than it was then and. Um, if you sit on a if you sit on a board of a football club, like you sit on a board of any other company, your first duty sitting on that board is to the company itself, or in this case, to, to the football club. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, whoever that fan was or, or group of fans were who were going to be sitting on that board would be making decisions that they'd be tied into. So they might have a voice in that, in saying it, but actually, you know, the reality is is that their first, their, as I say, their first loyalty has to be to the board itself. Well, we didn't want that. We wanted to still have our independence um, and have an opportunity to to operate at board level, but not be part of the the, the Liverpool FC board. Um, so really, as I've, I've said, a board quite a lot there. Uh, but there is a separation of the two. You know, there's the there's the entity that Liverpool FC has as a a board itself in terms of their decision making processes. But we also have a supporters board. Now, the link between the two then is that um, myself as chair and vice chair will meet that board once a year. Um, but the benefit that also accrues from that is that our supporters board meet with Liverpool board representatives um, quarterly uh, and more often as necessary. And we had a, a meeting, an a kind of ad hoc meeting again last week. You know, so so we've got stronger access now to to boards, the board, the Liverpool FC board um, that, that than we'd ever had before. Um, I found a couple of things to say on this before I bore everybody completely, because I've been in this from the start, so I kind of know everything, but also I'm conscious that I might not talk about the important bits, but I think a couple of important bits for me are, it's a contract with Spirit of Shankly because we are the supporters' trust, so we're the only legal entity that Liverpool could could have a contract with. But it's really important that um, the group Harinda represents cop-outs, LDSA, etc., a part of that as well. Uh, yeah. So that's why we have a memorandum. Uh, art, sorry, that, that's why we have a, a contract, but also um, we have alongside that a constitution. So they're enshrined within that constitution. 
But then the two really important bits, I think, that come out of it are that contract and that constitution form part of the club's articles of association. So two things that come from that are it's actually with the Liverpool Sports and Athletic, Athletic Grounds Limited. So it's not with FSG. So yeah. if FSG do sell up, then we haven't lost that engagement process. It's still part of the process. It's part of the, the, the transfer of undertaking. That's really important, as I taught, said before about legacy. You know, so for for our kids, our grandkids, uh, that's there forever, uh, whoever the owners are. And then the second bit is uh, clearly the Super League was what threw all this into, into, into the air. Um, but what we've got... Uh, I know that the fan-led review, which which we may touch on later, um, that was led by Tracy Crouch, will talk about um, a golden share to do, to stop things happening, such as uh, changes of club crests, etc. Well, we've actually got that already. Um, so we've we've got three elements. We've got um, en- engage, consult, and consent. And I won't go into all the details of of, of what. Each bit is, but they have the, the club has to engage with us on certain issues around changes to, to to match day issues, for example. They have to consult with us if it's going to have a material change. So if it's going to be like season ticket changes or membership changes, so not just the day to day, but then the long term, they have to actually consult us on that. But in terms of um, a ground move, a ground share, or moving to a um, a a a league that is not sanctioned by UEFA or FIFA or, or, or the Premier League, then we they have to get our consent. Mm. Now that's not the, the important bit about that as well. It's not ju- that's not just the consent of the sixteen people who sit on the board. It's for those sixteen representatives to then get the views of the wider, um, you know, worldwide Liverpool fan base. Um, but. That's the great thing about that is actually to have consent. So we've actually got a power of veto should it be needed for any any major change to to Anfield Stadium or to, or, or a move away from it. Right, and, and that's a very powerful thing, which I, I would imagine would be the envy of a lot of other rival clubs. And I'm sure that you've had conversations with other supporters trusts um, who, who would love to have that type of. Uh, of uh, position, power, if you will, um, in respect to their clubs. Well, I mean, you're right, actually, and it, 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 incredibly timely um, because um, last night we had um, a, a meeting with Football Supports Association um, because the Premier League are introducing um, Premier League uh, f- fan engagement standards, um, right. which every club has to have in place by the 28th of this month. Um, so it's like kind of a roundup to see where, where everyone was up to on that. Um, but also the Premier League wants each club to have a fan advisory board. Uh, so so similar in terms of our supporters board. Our supporters board would be the fan advisory board in this circumstance. Um, mm. But it was absolutely fascinating and heartbreaking to hear where other clubs are up to. Um, there, are, there are only four other clubs um, within the Premier League who have a fan advisory board or a supporters board in place. Two of those um, are run and managed by the club and not the supporters board itself. Ours is run by us. Um, so not only do we um, you know, sit on the board, not only do I chair it, we actually set the agenda and set the conversation with the club. 
it's the other way around in those in two of those other clubs. And the other two clubs thought they had a fan advisory board until they heard what we got. Um, I guess the closest to ours, which go, seems to be going really well, is Everton's. Um, so they, they 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 seem to have gone a long way uh, in terms of getting theirs, but they've got a memorandum of understanding and not a contract. So right. it's kind of I I I, I would say in, in some ways because I've been in it from the start, but I genuinely believe that we've got groundbreaking work here, um, mm. a fantastic opportunity to make a huge difference to Liverpool Football Club its followers, um, but also football in general. And and you're right, Mo, sorry, I, your, your point was, would other, would other fan groups want it? Yes. Uh, you know, Harinda and I, literally, following last night's meeting, could be working day in, day out with other clubs, to, with other fan groups, just to get to, close to where we are. Um, uh, so it is, it, it's an incredible achievement. And, um, you know, we'll see the fruits of that, but we won't see the fruits of that. I know lots of people asking, saying, well, what is the supporters board doing then? You know, we don't see anything, but it's all, it's all, that's because it's all building up. That's what, that's what planning's about. That's what strategy's about. Um, you don't see the benefits of that tomorrow. You see it in a, in, in, in a, in a few months or a few years time. Okay. Thank you for that. And Harinda, was there anything that you wanted to add in terms um, of? Yeah, I did. I think um, with the supporters board itself, it's, a fabulous journey, right? Like the one thing that I think um, people can take away from what Joe said and hasn't said also is the fact that, you know, it's groundbreaking that we were the first. And also as a club and as an engagement, we're setting standards that other people want to follow. Now, Mo, you've not touched on it, so I'm going to go straight into it. Yeah. Lots of people say, well, what do SOS do? Well, what do you do then? What does the board do then? What does this do then? What does that do then? You know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, that old adage of prevention is better than cure. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the board is about. It's the preventative elements rather than always trying to look for the cure. And believe you me, you know, we, we know from histories, especially with FSG and with the club itself, sometimes you have to go looking for the cure because of what they put out there. Prevention is better. Oh. always will be right and with regards to sos and especially the stuff that joe's been working on he's selling himself short this is me saying as an independent and i'm not associated to any group i don't have a group because of what i represent on the board in regards to faith and ethnicity and if i could represent just a single one it would be very rude of me ignoring all the rest but They've been pivotal to, in regards to the Football Supporters Federation and Association. They've been pivotal to the stuff that happened in Paris and going to the inquest and report. Um, and speaking on fans' behalf, you know, like, uh, and Joe and the LDSA, which is the Liverpool D- Disabled Support Association, they've been massive in that, humongous in that. Who else would have been better represented? Who else would have been better representatives than the folks who were there seeing it coming into the stadium? And I remember seeing Joe in Paris at the final coming into my turnstile in my block where I'm sitting and thinking, how have you ended up here? He's like going because there was no other way in and having been shunted yeah. around and having that experience and knowing what that's like. You know, the yeah. return to stadiums post pandemic, again, Spirit of Shankly selling themselves short. How far was their engagement with regards to the FSF, the government, the FSA to actually make things go forward so that we could go back to doing the thing that we wanted to do in a stadium and watch a match? Mm. I tip my turban at them for that. 
because what they did and what they enabled alongside the club was what then what's what every other club then wanted to do. There's a picture emerging here, which is there's a standard that's being set, then other people are following it. This is a collective that's setting a standard for other people to follow. Interesting. Based on an experience that other people haven't had. Right, right. And uh, and thank you for that. And you, you mentioned Paris, and that's quite interesting because that was something I was going to raise. Um, so, Joe, Joe, you you did, as Harinda touched on, go to the French Senate, and uh, you know have played quite a key role. And I know there have been others like Dan Austin, for example, who've also been very active. Um, so, can you just tell our listeners about what that experience has been like, and about having to try and fight once again? Um, for the truth to prevail and and to make sure that, you know, all the fans that suffered in various forms um, that night, you know, a few months ago, um, you know, get a fair crack of the whip against the establishment once again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I remember that conversation with Harinda very well. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it was probably as we were speaking or, or shortly afterwards that, that, you know, that infamous note came up um, on the stadium um, saying that the, the match was delayed due to the late lateness of fans, and you know, you, you suddenly you, you, your mind switches to something else, doesn't it? Which is there's a narrative being played out here, yeah. um, and and I know, you know, lots of people didn't really engage with the match uh, because of what had gone on outside and what we were worried about outside. Um, I was also thinking beyond that, if, if I'm being honest as well. Um, I was also thinking, you know, what what is this going to end up like now? Um, and I can't remember anything about the game, if I'm honest, um, because you're just constantly thinking about where's this going to go, where's the, where, where's what's what's going to be said here. Um, and I think I think the first thing to say, look, you know, uh, some kind words from Harinda there in terms of what what I did and certainly what Ted did. He, he was immense um, through and and still is through, throughout all of this. Um, at the LDSA. Um, it's been a privilege to do it. I mean, I, I think it's about control and narrative, which which is what we couldn't do in 89 and we couldn't do in subsequent issues. And, and, and obviously also in any tragedy, the, the, the victims of any tragedy never control the narrative. It's always the government. It's always the authorities. It's always the press, the media, uh, who, who they get into. I think the tipping point for this one was that so many media were caught up in this. Um, so many dignitaries were caught up in this, but there was no hiding place for it. So that gave us confidence really to, to speak fairly and squarely on the heart on behalf of fans. And, and I, I did, and Ian Byrne did, we actually cut, topped it up and we did over 125 interviews in that first week um, after Paris. Um, and that was really important because it meant the noise was out there all the time. Um, and we didn't want that to go away, and that's what we tried to try to maintain um, throughout the summer, really. And, and you know, going to going to the French Senate um, was, was an unbelievable experience, and something that I know um, Ted Morris and I would had real real fears and trepidation um, about because we 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 nev- never been to our own Parliament before, never mind the French Parliament, um, and we obviously had to go in there to to point the finger at the French as well. Um, it was quite a daunting thing to do, to be quite honest with you. Um, yeah. And, and when, you know, when we got there, it was, they, they were fantastic. Um, they, 
I mean, we, we first of all, we were sort of meted and greeted by more press than I've ever seen in my life. It was a bit like, you know, when you go to the Oscars uh, or you visit the Oscars or you see the Oscars on television, you know, these yeah. rows of um, of cameras and, and microphones in front of you. I thought, my goodness me, what, what have we walked into here? Um, but that's how big it was in France. And it, it, it's kind of, it was bigger in France, obviously because of the political aspect um, in terms of Macron, et cetera, but bigger than it was over here, which is like, Worrying to a large extent, but I understand how things, you know, move quickly from 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 football being on the front page to the middle page, and then and then it gets just gets lost in the back pages again. Um, but the senators themselves were were outstanding. Um, the fan from Real Madrid was outstanding. He said exactly what we'd said. Um, the experience that they had was was horrendous. Um, but more than anything else, we exposed the lies uh, and the accusations uh, that had been put together by by Darman and, and and his colleagues in Parliament. Um, mm. And I genuinely thought that we'd probably just come away with almost like a pat on the back and say, you know, thanks for coming over and uh, coming to visit us again. You know, um, when the report came out, um, it, it was fantastic to say that you know Liverpool fans absolutely exonerated and they, they slaughtered you know the, the, their own. Um, parliamentarians really um yeah. and that gave us confidence then to know that when we were setting when, when we were pushing for the independence inquiry um we weren't prepared then to be rolled over and say well it's not uefa's independence inquiry um and if you recall we were fighting tooth and nail about the individuals who they appointed and they said it was going to be independent um but we actually got people on the panel who who were genuinely um both um, engaged in football, but had been engaged in a whole host of football-related issues. So when you think about um, Amanda Jackson, the FSA, when you think about Ron and Evan from Football Supporters Europe, when you talk about um, Peter Weatherby, QC, who'd been involved in all a lot of the Hillsborough um, challenges to, to central governments, um, and others uh, are like that. It suddenly, it suddenly felt as though it wasn't an independent anymore. It was actually far more in... in in favour of doing a thorough um, and diligent job. Um, The latest on that is that we understand it's imminent. Um, We fully expect it before the Real Madrid game um, next, because I think think even they would acknowledge that we can't play Real Madrid again and not have that report on. So so it's imminent. Um, Right. And and just the vibe I'm guessing is that... um, I think the only quote I can give that that's been given to me is that we won't be disappointed. Now, obviously, that depends on 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 the reality of what it says, um, but it will also relies on what UEFA do with it. Um, so, I, I think I was always confident that this panel would come up with the right answers, but it's whether the recommendations that it puts forward UEFA puts in place, um, because it's absolutely pointless if they just say it all went wrong. At, in Paris in May, but they're not making any changes for Istanbul in, in July this year, in June this year, because uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure none of us want any fan to experience what Liverpool fans had to experience again um, in Paris last year. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, yeah, if, if those lessons are learnt and uh, actions are put in place, then, um, you know, that, that, that would be a very welcome change from what we have all seen in the past. Um, 
So I wanted to just um, change uh, subject um, to something a little bit more negative, which is obviously in the last few weeks, um, there's been immense amount of debate um, in social media circles around um, the ownership issue. And obviously we know that um, uh, officially FSG are seeking investment. um, And obviously there's been talk and speculation that they may be looking to potentially either sell outright or to sell a majority stake in the club. Um, and, and then that has resulted in, um, you know, some fans lashing out at Spirit of Shankly amongst other groups. Um, and one of the arguments that's been made is that Spirit of Shankly uh, does not challenge the club's owners. So h- how would you respond to that accusation? Yeah, um, a bit weird, really, that that, that people say that. Um, I think our track record of calling out FSG is 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 actually public record. Never mind, never mind something I can trot off today. You know, it, it's out there. Um, we, we talked at length before about the supporters board. We wouldn't have got the supporters board without calling out FSG about the European Super League. Um, but it's not just about calling them out; it's actually doing something with that. Um, you know, as Arinda said, you know, we we became the first ever supporters board leading the way and actually have something that um, that other clubs aspire to achieve. Um, so not only should we hold them to account, actually we should do something with that. Um, we did the same with the trademark. Uh, we did the same with um, the £77 uh, ticket prices um, in conjunction with Spire and Cop 1906. We did the same with um, the furlough scheme that they tried to do um all of which you know have been massively publicized but as we said earlier we we actually call fsg out and and call liverpool out on a day-to-day basis um we also work with them because you have to do both um because if if you don't work with them then all you're doing is is shouting into a void um so, so people mightn't see that, you know, that, that we're, we're working really hard to change what's going on. Um, but we actually are all the time. Um, they know um, that they have a real challenge on their hands. That's why they come to us um, in advance of, of things now, which they never did before. Um, you know, they used to sort of kind of fly a kite on social media or on their website um, and then wait for the backlash. Now, now they predict the backlash and actually have a conversation with us. So we actually quell a lot of those fires that they would have they would have put out. We put them out in advance, and that's what a mature organisation should do. That's what a union should do, and we do it. We don't do it just to give them a help. We do it because it, if something's going to impact on fans, as Karinda said, that's our prevention rather than cure. Because we we don't just want to fight all the time. We want to want to engage and we want to work with and we want to improve and we want to want to be the best. Um, foot, run football club there is um, you know I, I, it, it, it staggers me to think that hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff we've got EPL Index as well which covers the entirety of the Premier League and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, 
covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. They don't think we do challenge. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a supporters trust if we didn't. Football Supports Association would have something to say about us. Um, But the reality is that, that, you know, we're held as a model of how, A, to have, how to how to have protested in the past against things we needed to protest, but B make change with what we've done, what what we've had to protest about. Harinda, mm. uh, you wanted to add anything on to that? Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, you look at Twitter and you look at social media and what people throw out there and hope that shit sticks. It's dismaying. If I was the, I suppose curator of SOS Twitter, I, I, you know, I demoralized just looking at it. I thinking, well, hang on, I'm doing all this stuff in the background and then some absolute no bark will just say whatever they want and it just gets a bandwagon behind it. And it's properly laughable. I would say to people, if ever FSG wouldn't want someone sitting across the table from them, you know, it's these folks, it's SOS. It's actually other people from within the supporters board as well. Go and find Peter Moore. Yeah, this is what I challenge to people out there. Go and find Peter Moore and he'll tell you how he was made to squirm regularly by Spirit of Shankly. Seen it with my own eyes. I'm not a Spirit of Shankly um, person. I didn't become a member of Spirit of Shankly for a very, 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 very long time. I had my own ding-dongs with the Spirit of Shankly on Red and White Cop back in the good old days, as Graham Smith will remember, um, and disagreeing with them because you're allowed to disagree with things that people think. That's okay. But when you chat absolute bullshit, that's wrong. Mm. Yeah. Go and find Billy Hogan. Like I say this go go and find Billy Hogan, ask him if it's an easy ride. Find the VPs across the club and ask them what happens in supporter forums, let alone the supporters board. Challenges that people see in the open and then they forget their own positions on certain things. Like one of the things that um Joe mentioned was the seventy seven pound tickets. I still remember the people of this parish and other places saying £77 tickets are right. If you can't afford them, stay home. Who cares about those being priced out? We'll go. Without the ESL, we'll be left behind. Oh, my God. I mean, leaving aside the internal politics of UEFA versus clubs now in economic disarray, it's always fascinating if you find follow Sorry, what happens with the money. Follow the money, and you know, the Gianni happy for it to happen trail opens up really, really nicely, right? Mm. This is the thing is that people can say what they want. It's so true, yeah. Yeah, and, and it just becomes some sort of strange truth. We've been there before. Someone said something, it was a very big lie, and it turned into something else. It was a stigma that stuck with a club, fans, supporters of this club for years, and it took an independent panel to change that. It yeah. took yeah. years of petitioning in respect to Hillsborough, to change that. And now people throw out any accusation they want and expect nothing to happen because people, without saying too bad, the SOS, they don't engage and say a lot back, right? They might say a few things here or there, I see on Twitter. But genuinely, they just carry on because somebody has to. Somebody has to carry on. 
I think, yeah, I mean, sorry, if I can come back in, Mo, as well. But I mean, sure. you say, say some great things there, um, which are really important. And I think, I think the first thing is, you're right, you know, our guys who do manage the social media, I, I, I just... Are just under so much pressure at the moment, just in terms of what they read, not necessarily how to deal with it, because actually a lot of it is without substance. Um, but you're not going to get an opportunity to have an informed debate in this in that particular sphere. So it's difficult to respond with with any sense of feeling because because you, you know you're never going to win in that. So I, th- I think you're right. It, 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 it's hard to read some of that stuff. Um, we know it's without substance. Um, the opportunity to to speak tonight adds substance, which is fantastic. Um, but I think I think you know some of the things we've been thinking about are um, people such as yourselves, um, mainstream media commentators, uh, radio, television commentators, etc. Um, they're not coming to us and saying uh, how badly we're performing. They're actually saying the opposite. Um, and I think if they started saying something to us. I think we'd be starting to worry that we're actually going over a cliff somewhere. And, you know, we're clearly not. Um, it's it's crazy, really, isn't it? You know, that, that at a time when we need to be unified, someone to divide, to divide us even more. Um, Mo, you said that the club, you said earlier, the club, FSG have said that they're either up for sale or they're up for investment. Well, if they're up for sale, why am I getting told all the time to back FSG out? Well, they're on the way out, aren't they? That not that why they've put it up for sale? Hmm. If they're not on the way out, they're looking for investment as a, as a kind of halfway house. Well, we'll we'll deal with that when we come to it. If they if they do sell, I'll go back to all the things I said at the start that we'll deal with those owners in the way that we would deal with any owners. We'd hold them yeah. to account. We'd want them to have the culture of Liverpool Football Club at their hearts. We would want them to invest in a local area. We'd want them to make sure that we never lost the Shankly values that we, we aspire to, all of those things. We'll mm. do that with new owners in the same way we do it with current owners. Um, so for me, it's you know I, a little bit, I can, as the chair, I suppose I can float a little bit more above it and and, and see see across the water and see that, um, you know, there's, there's an end to all this. Um, but we'll end it in the way that we've always done it, with, with, you know, in a dignified way, uh, a mature way, um, but a challenging way if it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, so, I mean, I've I've read obviously some of these comments as well, and some of it clearly has been very unsavoury, and some of it has been very very strong. Um, you know, some of it has even lent into accusations of racism and xenophobia. And again, I'm sure Harindia will want to come in on this as well, but. Joe, um, you know, clearly, you know, you know, you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but Spirit of Shankly's actually fought very hard to fight discrimination uh, and racism as well, um, which is the complete opposite of what some fans have been accusing you of recently. Yeah, I mean, it 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 it, it really does make it a challenge for us, but when we see things like that, because again, you just want to jump jump straight in and, and, and say, look, here are the facts. Um, but, but the facts get lost in the noise of, of another bot that comes in and, and, and just puts something else on. But, you know, to anyone, anyone who, who, who really wants to look, they can see our record. We can, you can see, you know, the stuff that we've pulled together uh, over recent years um, in terms of challenging racism, you know, 
at the game, um, outside of the game, um, the, throughout football, um, the support that we've we've done with with, with FSA in terms of. Uh, working with Kick It Out, um, we've supported fans who've been uh, victims of of, of um, racism at football. We've equally educated fans. Um, maybe think about. I mean, I mean, what about the you know the the one that was a massive controversy actually um, was the the Divock Origi banner, um, and we call that out, and we got absolutely vilified for that at the time. Um, because he said it's just a banner, it's just it's just a bit of fun, it's just Divock Origi. Um, well, no, it's not. The racial undertones, the connotations of that, mm. um, the racist arrangements of that, the history of that—that that clearly people just think, oh, it just doesn't matter that what happened a hundred years ago can be brushed under the carpet. We stood up for that, and yet we're the ones who are being called racist. Well, we were the ones who actually called it out and actually challenged the, the, the authorities to do something about it. Um, and that, you know, that, that caused, as I say, a lot, a lot of friction amongst, amongst our members, but you know, we've, we've got, um, we've got a diverse committee. Um, could we, could we do more about diversity? Of course we could. Um, and that's why, that's why at each AGM, you know, we try to, to, to make sure that we, we have, um, a focus on on diversity issues and and to improve. You know, I, am I an expert on uh, race and ethnicity and culture? Absolutely not. Um, but I want to learn, and I want I want the I want SOS to be experts on it. Um, and I don't want us to be at the forefront of supporting, leading, and challenging racism. Um, so for me, no, the, 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 you know, just where is the evidence of us, of, of us being racist? And if, the, if they're pointing to, to a joint letter with, with, with Must um, as their only level of, of, of racist accusation, which clearly is not uh, in any way, shape or form, A, anything to do with, 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 with an outside body, B, it's not racist in its tenure, and C, is absolutely focused on the better governance in football, then, then people are, are, are just looking at the wrong, in the wrong way. At mm. the wrong things, right? Harinda, do you want to add to that as well? Yeah. Um, where do I begin with it? Right. I can do it from personal experience of SOS. I think that's probably the best way as well. So, and and my history with SOS goes back a long, long time, even to the point whereby Joe was not, I think, I don't think you were a committee member then, but the AGM in 2012, which was held at the Sandon at the same time Mm -hmm. as the Anne Williams campaign, that was me, came there with the flyers, asking everybody to take a flyer, help out, get people to sign where we were in the petition at that point in time, the reasons for it's important, it's timing. And Spirit of Shankly opened that door for me courtesy of the Hillsborough Justice campaign gave me a platform to speak to a bunch of strangers who didn't have any clue who I was. Nobody knew who I was. Even I had probably worries about what I saw in the mirror as to who I was at that point in time, probably in life. But, you know, these are the things that people don't get to see. Why? Because 10 to 12 years ago, I'm going to be quite brutally honest here, Mo, they weren't probably allowed to have a Twitter account. They were too young. Because some of the stuff that comes out is really childish. I'm going to presume a child said it because I don't want to correlate that an adult, grown adult of intelligent mind and sense would say some of the shit they're saying. It's 
being ridiculous. I'll give you examples from 1819, the year we won the Champions League. Yeah, we won the Champions League in 2019. In that season, the then chair, which was Jay McKenna, helped me personally push the club internally on incidents that happened at Bayern Munich away involving our own fans, fans that you see standing next to me at football matches right. who were hit and abused. Jay, I, I reached out to Jay after speaking to lots of other fans and other fan forums and other groups and communities, either on Facebook or Twitter or even through AI and everywhere else, even Red and White Cop, just to ask them, folks, tell me the instance you've been involved in. Now is the time to collate them and tell Liverpool whether they've got a problem or not. Jay, help me channel that. Not the club. It wasn't mm. Tony. It wasn't um, some of the other great folk who worked there who subsequently helped. It was Jay. Right. You know, and even then... Post the Amir Malik family incident, you know, still Jay telling you, this is the way to do it. This is the way to keep on pressing, push here, push here. This is what we've done in the past. Don't do this, do this. Make sure you speak to these. All of that has led to where we are now with regards to the experience at Anfield. And that's the key, the experience. That experience for fans who don't look like everybody else has changed, but not just based on ethnicity or faith based on sexuality, based on who you feel you are. You know, those things are important for people out there to know, just because you didn't personally see it. Yeah. 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 I can recall the early days of SS. There's a lad called JD. Everyone knows JD. Looks like me. Greyer beard, younger though. Um, He was canvassing back in like, I think 2011, 2012, to be part of the exec community. They have also on their exec community, Mohan Singh Randhawa. He's not a token person to be there. Go and ask him. Yeah, he's not just there to be a pretty face in respect to you know like people are just going to tick a box. He's not a tick box exercise person. Again, go and speak to him. Go and engage, mm. but don't chat shit. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. And it was I think important to address um, some of those more outrageous accusations um, that had obviously been levelled um, again in recent weeks. Um, now, obviously, a lot of these comments, accusations, misconceptions, um, you know, have all arisen because of this growing backlash um, against the owners um, this season. Obviously, when results don't go the way that you'd hope, um, people start looking for people to blame. Owners regularly are um, at that receiving end. Um, but then, obviously once they announced that they were looking to um, either seek investment or to sell outright, um, then that's only intensified um, since the beginning of November. And, you know, there has been this backlash against Spirit of Shankly and even, you know, other um, fan channels as well who are seen to be um, rightly or wrongly sympathetic to to FSG. Um, now, Joe, so I'll direct this at you firstly. Um do you understand why fans are feeling frustrated and levelling a lot of their frustration at the owners? And um, also, does some of that feeling of frustration exist amongst SOS members and even at a committee level as well? Yeah, can, can I understand that? Yeah, yes, I, yes, I can. Um, we weren't saying it, or, or they weren't saying it two years ago when we were winning everything. 
um, all last season when we were winning everything almost. Um, so I think it does go hand in hand with performance on the pitch, um, to be honest, in terms of the, the, the amount of noise. Um, yeah. Herinda and I both, and you may do, Mo, I'm not sure, go, you know, go home and away. Um, are you satisfied with what's being played on the pitch at the moment? Absolutely not, no. Um, do we need investments in some of our players um, in, or some of the, the areas of the pitch? Um, absolutely we do. Um, that's certainly what you, you, you pick up. Um, probably more so away games, I think, because people chat more because obviously you've got coaches to, to go on and stuff like that. Um, you know, so so quite clearly, you know, there's a there's an understanding that there needs to be investment. Now, FSG have had this financial model for, for years where it's you know based on balance sheets, isn't it? Um, and that's worked to an extent when we've sold players and got money in and got, and got obviously the reap the benefits of, of Allison, of, of, of Virgil, etc. Um, it's come to a position now, and I think that's where everyone's at, is that the model that FSG has doesn't work if you haven't got something to sell, even if you're generating income. Because you, because when you're generating income like they have been, you're then spending it on something else, which is players' wages, which is general increases in prices and, and all those kind of things. Yeah. So that's where you need to put your hand in your pocket and get the credit card out, isn't it? Um, yeah. And and that, that that's the point here. You know, at, at FSG, prepared to to put their hand in their pockets or to 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 get the credit card out. Well, it seems to me that selling is one way of them doing that. It seems to me that getting significant investments, provided it's put onto the onto the pitch, is another way of doing that. Um, or they just have to change their their financial model. But I can't see them doing that. Um, but I can see them doing the other two things because that, that's what it feels like that they've tried to do. Um, so they need. They, you know, I think they know that they need to 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 pump cash into into the club. Um, and I know there's all sorts of you know as as we know sort of you know all sorts of conspiracy theories about what they do and what they don't do. I don't look. I'm not clever enough to do all those kind of conspiracy things. I just see it for what it is. I see that we've got players who are struggling at the moment on a pitch. Um, we've got some certainly some some root and branch problems because I've been in those situations I'm sure you guys have when you've been employed in a place and the, you know it's, there's, there's rumours flying round it can't help but affect you um, so does that affect the players on a pitch I suspect it probably does mm-hmm. they ran round and played every single minute last season um, and didn't scrape home uh, that's bound to have an effect the last game was the one we were talking about before in Paris you're trying to say they weren't affected by that? Of course they were. Um, does that, though, excuse everything else? No, it doesn't, but it's con- it's context. But at the same time, yeah, that y- 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 your fundamental point to your question was, um, are people saying that, or, or do I understand that people are frustrated by it? Absolutely. Um, do I understand that pe- it needs investments? Yes, I do, absolutely. FSG out? I don't know. Um if it, if it takes something to get on the pitch, great, uh, because I want I want success on the pitch. But there aren't many players in that squad at the moment um, that I would get rid of. Um, I don't know if, if, if you both read the the, the, the Athletic this morning um, with their take on on you know big summer clear out. Um, and actually, this the big summer clear out is like the players who 
we think are going to be leaving anyway. <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 it just defies. But if we, if we don't replace those players, and actually we don't, we don't plan to replace the players who, who are nearing the, the end of their, their shelf life in the, in the Moes and the, the Virgils and, uh, and others, then, yeah, you, you know, that, that's where people, I think, are starting to get frustrated that we're not seeing that. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, listeners of regular listeners of Money Talks will know that you know I've um, tried to be very fair and balanced about the ownership. You know, there've been times when I've heaped huge amounts of praise on them. I've at times said, you know, that under their stewardship, you know, this has been the best run club in world football. And I was saying that not that long ago, um, but in more recent times. And this is not just FSG, but a wider issue that the landscape of football, the financial landscape especially, is changing. Um, is it changing for things that are for the best interests of football? I would argue not. I think there are certain aspects of it that have changed which are actually quite ugly, um, but they've changed. And you know, we, we've seen a takeover at Newcastle United, for example, in you know, in next to no time, you know, that they've become a far more stronger team and one that potentially could be challenging for trophies with um, investment at the rate at which it has already gone into that club. And and that is what worries a lot of fans who look at it in a kind of a binary way that, look, you know, we want, we all want our club to be successful. Um, and if we are trying to stick by a set of rules that increasingly other clubs are not sticking to, um, then are, are we going to fall further behind? And that's the worry. And on top of that, you know, needless to say, a lot of us fans have been spoiled in recent years. We, we've um, rarely had it so good. I mean, yes, yeah, sure. You know, back in the you know mid to late seventies through till around uh, nineteen ninety, we, we had an amazing run, trophy after trophy, but. It's that looking ahead thing where, you know, clearly we've done some fantastic things under the ownership of FSG, but because of the landscape changing and the fact that FSG haven't shown any indications of them wanting to veer away from their financial model, which is based on self-sustainability and them not as owners putting money into the club, um, which is why, you know, that frustration has been growing. And that's why there's been that clamour for, owners to come in who are willing to put their hand in their pocket and invest into the club. Um, but whether that happens, um, you know, remains to be seen. You know, we, we may see a change of ownership. We may end up with FSG remaining the sole owners. Um, and ov- obviously all of that is um, up for speculation at this stage and we don't have anything concrete um, to go on at this stage. But, um, you know, clear- clearly it has been something that has created a lot of frustration um, and p- potentially will continue to uh, until we have resolution to that one one way or another. Um, but I mean, sorry, just to come back on that more. I think, no. I think you know what what you said earlier on was absolutely right. Or oh, sorry, I, I think I said earlier on we're just fa- we're, we're just fans as well. Um, yeah. So we want to watch good football on, on on a Saturday afternoon or whenever it's played, and want to want to win everything. Of course we do. Um, of course I do. Um, I think I think what I find staggering is both both the the, the delusion, but also the, um, the the bizarreness that they actually think that SOS can stop 
a new investor coming in. How on earth are we going to do that? Where, where does that where does that even come from? Um, you know, it, to think that we've got some kind of either sitting on the supporters board or in there or, or sitting in some some other room somewhere, you know, that we can actually go along to 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 FSG and say, right, I know you want to sell up, but don't sell it to these, don't sell it to them, don't sell it to this this lot, and certainly don't sell it to him or her. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered for SOS that they think we've got that level of power. But equally, yeah. I just I just find it, you know, ridiculous that they that people think we have. Um, it, we, we haven't at all. Um, and as I said before, you know, what we'll do is hold any, the current or, or future owners to account for what they do. And we want them to, to be the right level of organization that manages and is a custodian of, of, of our great heritage in our, our city and our, our fan base and, and our club. Um, mm. But to think that I might be able to stop that, you know, uh, wow, gives me, gives, gives me, more, gives me more, power and credence than I ever thought I'd have and I haven't got it let's, let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, yeah I was I mean I was just going to come on to that as well because uh, you know that again has been um, a source of vitriol aimed at the at spirit of Shankly that there's this thing that's again floated around in social media well you know spirit of Shankly could veto a sale and or they will or they you know and all that stuff um, and, and clearly that that from what you just said, is is completely unfounded. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nonsense. Being mm-hmm. honest, there, there is yeah. absolutely no foundation for that whatsoever. Um, yeah. And as I say, I, I think I'd I'd be as deluded as anybody else to think that I could do that. I'd I'd like to think that the supporters board. I'd like to think that fans. I'd like to think that Spirit of Shankly can influence the type of owner and what they should be doing when when they take ownership. Of course. Um, you know, wouldn't any football fan want to do that? Have the opportunity to do that. Um, mm. So if we can, if we can do that, make that kind of leverage, that make sure that that the the, the the ownership that comes in, you know, does follow those values referring to, does invest in in the club's heritage, does invest and itself into our culture, does invest into the city itself, the area, in, in, even more importantly. If we can, if we can steer people towards that. And if that if that means some people don't want to do that, then fine. Because that, but that's that should be FSG's job anyway, because they should be kind of almost putting the brochure together. Say this is what we do now. You know, it's not. It, I don't think there's anything that I would be asking a new owner for that we don't ask for the current owners to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Harinda, did you want to add to that as well? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, like I think Joe mentioned right at the beginning of the pod, right, in respect to where the vetoes actually lie. In regards yeah. to renaming of Anfield, move away from yeah. Anfield, join um, a breakaway league. Yeah, that, that's the bits that we can on. There is this legalese around um, major decisions, and I think this is where it comes from, right? So I know people who've asked me certain questions, I'm like, I know, this is the bit that I know, this is the bit I don't know. Is selling the club a major decision? Probably, yeah, it is, but there's not a veto there. Don't get you don't get the automatic veto on it like the other things. Um, like Joe said, like from my opinion, I would like to think the club would speak to the supporters board. They would talk to people and, and do engage with the right groups. And the reason I say that is because it's not just SOS on the supporters board. Go and look at the structure of the supporters board. There are other groups there that are extremely important. Yeah, you've got the LDSA. 
Yeah. You've got the Liverpool FC Women's Supports Club. You've got the OLSEs, which is the uh, um, overly, the official Liverpool supporters clubs out across the world. Yeah. It's beyond COP. Let's not forget them. The lads who yep. all do the flag, all those guys. But you've also got COP House, mm. the LGBTQ plus um, community group for LFC. They're important also. They're very actually important in all this. Yeah, and, and I was going to come on to that because um, obviously one of the more contentious aspects of the whole debate um, in terms of potential new owners or investors um, has been around um, whether that investment, whether directly or indirectly, were to come from a nation state such as a Qatar, um, you know, where there are clearly certain laws which are incompatible with certain sections of our fan base, notably um uh, the LGBTQ plus um, section of the fan base. So, um, you know, linked to that, Spirit of Shankly, you know, Joe you did join with the Manchester United Supporters Trust set out a position um, around expectations and, um, you know, values, etc. And urging, linked to that, you know, the government to make, you know, some actions, some positive steps around implementing um, some of the recommendations from that fan-led review, the crouch review, if you want to call it that. So first of all, um, in terms of some of those incompatibilities in terms of potentially a nation state such as a Qatar coming in, um, how, how does that kind of sit in terms of the supporters board perspective um, in terms of how, how that potentially could be manage and, and clearly that that's not something that's unprecedented in that we've had well, we've seen with another club in Newcastle United where they've had to grapple with the exact same issues with Saudi Arabia um, coming in as essentially the majority stakeholder um, for the, for that club yeah I mean I think I think I'd, 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 I'd go back in time a little bit first before before I bring bring the sort of the, the must letter to be honest with you I think first thing is you know when the Newcastle um, takeover was taking place um, people probably forget that it took I think something like a year for Newcastle Newcastle fans and the Premier League to come to an agreement about what the what their takeover was and what it wasn't Um and if you remember, it was like it was touch and go whether it was actually going to take place because of because of the to and fro. And so, you know, that's about the right level, as Harinda said, in terms of having engagement with fans. Um, and you speak to Newcastle fans, they were engaged in that. And I know the, the sort of visible bit was, you know, um, just absolute joy. But there was also absolute discussion about what what it meant to the values of their football club in terms of yeah. that takeover. Uh, and the Premier League as well. And I think that's the bit, you know, that joins that together is that, well, that's where, you know, f- fans on their own can't really, you know, change a nation state or or, or, or a Russian oligarch or a, a venture capitalist from America, you know, they can influence, but but actually government can actually make directions. And that's that's what we've been asking for. And clearly that's what the Crouch Review and the Fan-led Review was talking about was about how do you protect the assets of our community? How do you protect Betty Football Club from going bankrupt um, and destroying the town um, 
in the way that it did because mm. some some venture capitalists just want to sort of i can spend i can literally in the same way people sort of spin cheap houses into rented accommodation and move off with with no interest in the in the area that they're, they're investing in that's exactly what happened there and that's got to stop um so so that's the first thing i think the second thing is the fsa have been quite clear that once the newcastle um takeover took place they want to clear understanding regulations and they actually took a, a motion to their AGM two years ago uh, that really highlighted about the issues around sports washing etc so as as members of the of the FSA then, then then we're behind that so that's again that's another touchstone for us and the third the third element then that brings us bang up to date is that you know the letter alongside the Man United supporters trust um, was clearly just a, a wake-up call to to central government to make sure that they got the fan-led review sorted um so again you know facts get lost in the, in 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 the in the myth of 132 characters don't they on twitter um yeah but we started that conversation with 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 the support with man united supporters trust in november last year um and in fact if you think about it we probably started 14 years ago when when, when we had the, the initial discussions about how, how to challenge ownership per se, because they were struggling with Glazers as we were struggling with Hicks and Gillette. Um, and those conversations take place. There's more that binds us, you know, as football fans that actually divides us apart from the two 90 minutes on the pitch um, a season. The reason we got to this particular point was that in November, obviously at that point, the, 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 the two clubs had announced that they were going to, they were up for sale. But the reality was there was no there was no guiding principles other than the fit and proper person test that we know is absolutely meaningless because you can name now off the top of our heads probably about 30 or 40 people who've run football clubs who are absolutely not fit and proper. Um, and that was our that was our the whole reason for, that we wanted to do it. So 28th of November, we, we agreed to do it. By the middle of December, we'd written to the Secretary of State um, to put this, uh, put them on notice about it. Towards the end of December, we got notification, but from from the DCMS um, that they got they'd noted it and wanted to work with it. Um, that the um, the Secretary of State would would want to meet with um, with, with with clubs to discuss this uh, because they saw it fa- fundamental to the fan led review. But they said we want the fan led review to be to to be out there first. Then, of course, the fan-led review was delayed. Um, so we said, well, we, we can't not say something because it, it feels as though to our, to our fan bases, we're not saying anything. Mm. So we felt that this was the right way to say it, that we're actually asking the government to, to provide the right level of guidance for either Liverpool, Man United, Hull, Newcastle, Chelsea, Arsenal, wherever else it is in the football pyramid about how to manage the game. That is all about consistency and recognition of, of the need for, for an independent regulator, which is all we were pushing for to make sure that that was pushed along sooner rather than later so we could have some real teeth in terms of who owns our football clubs, whoever that may be. And of course, that was going to be announced today um, the fan-led review. Um, however, uh, with Sonak's um, cabinet reshuffle yesterday, um, it's now been pushed back two weeks. Um, but the offer to meet with the new Secretary of State um, uh, is on the table. The 
clearly what we're hearing from the fan-led review is that we will get an independent regulator and clear guidance that will be a stronger fit and proper person's test. So in terms of our opening comments about, you know, what do SMS do? What do supporters board do? That's the kind of thing we do. We make change and that's what we're trying to aim for. But absolutely none of that was about human rights. Absolutely none of that was about LGBT or um, Russian, as I say, Russian oligarchs or anything else. Underpinning all of that will, of course, be the guidance that we need to work through that. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um. Because, of course, we are concerned about human rights. Of course, we're concerned about um, any any owners that would be deemed to be be racist or to have cultures that were unacceptable in terms of representing the fan base that we've got, uh, which is clearly and critically important to us. Um, Harinda mentioned before about the official Liverpool supporters uh, clubs. At, do you know what? I, I, I'm, I had some figures with the, the other day and I've, I've lost them now, but there's over there's over thirty, uh, sorry, over three hundred, I think, official Liverpool supporters club across the world. The supporters board represent those now, and we yeah. want to represent those voices. Oh. You know that that's massive now. So that that's the voice that we have as a as a collective group to make the key points that we need to do. Um, and the final bit I would say is that you know in terms of in terms of the specifics, you know, clearly. The rumours about Qatar, but um, probably the sparked everything, haven't they? But which, which, which is just, as I say, just bizarre, really. Given there's been absolutely so far no substance, positively or negatively, about that. But we do know that when Liverpool played the Club World Championship in Qatar a couple of years ago, we worked with the Qatari authorities to make sure that any of Liverpool fans who went actually had a great time. That's what we did. We met at, on three separate occasions with the Qatari authorities, and they they were they were brilliant with us. Um, if you remember, they also I think invited um, uh, cop outs to actually travel to Qatar in advance of the uh, of the games uh, the games themselves to, to 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 see what it was like. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's. There's documentary evidence from Paul the man about what that was about. So you know oh. that's what we do. We don't stop. What we do is we work with. Right, and Rinda, you, I'm sure you've got something to add to that as well. Yeah, I mean, um, there's quite a lot that's come there, and 
the one thing I will say is that everyone asks the questions expecting the answers, but it's coming from those who are probably least qualified to answer. Yeah, the reason I say that is that Copouts has shared a brilliant and close relationship with the club. It's been unequivocal. I mean, they've been unequivocal on this relationship. And as Joe mentioned earlier, they were key in 2019 to evaluate their community safety pre-Club World Cup in Qatar. And for the folks that are in the back of the room here, that's the LGBTQ plus community and its representative LFC supporters group going to Qatar and doing that evaluation. If you speak to Paul, a man, and I'm not putting words in his mouth here, the evaluation fell short of a warm and equal one. Mm. He's on record of this as well. So when we talk about cultural harmony and equality and Liverpool being a place for all, it's a community that's part of that all together, right? We sit next to folks. We stay sit next to us. You can't sing You'll Never Walk Alone and Leave Folks by the Wayside. You know, it's not just a song. And this is a piece that I think is where folks just concentrate. There's no easy way of saying this. People just concentrate on the money. You know, oh, yeah, we'll have the money. We'll have the money. We can do anything with the money. We'll have the money. Oh, yeah, the money. So, you know, you know, and they just jumped to the money so we can complete and screw where it came from. And the city you're about to find out, you can get screwed because of how and where it came from. This is the, you know, this is almost like the cusp that you people are, um, also, also the very thin line people are trying to walk, right? People don't want to have to sold the family silver and then just to realize that they've got in bed with possibly the wrong place altogether which is just not the fit and when people when people whenever i say the word fit people automatically presume that there must be a racial connotation to the word fit no it's cultural there's the city of liverpool and there's a club Liverpool football club it's a wide church but everyone is welcome in that church look at me look at yourself mo look mm. at the person recording the podcast in guy drinkle look at joe look at people who listen to this podcast yeah, you all go to Anfield when you can, if you can. Yeah, yeah. People go away when they can, if they can. In Europe, also when they can, if they can. Everything is an opportunity. It's not taken for granted by those who tr- go home or travel away. Or yeah, definitely not by myself. But it's a collection of people. It's not just one group. But you can't exclude somebody. You can't go, your exclusion is okay because money. Hey, you hey, ching. You know what? You know what? Here's some money. We'll forget about it. Don't, that'll ease the pain. Doesn't really work that way. Truly doesn't. Well, just ask Chelsea fans. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you're all right. I mean, it's, um, it's a complex one and it's not as simple and straightforward as right. Okay. Here are a bunch of people that have come along with, more money than um, the current owners, so therefore that automatically means we'll become more successful. Um, far from it, it all has to be done in the right way, but in recognition and respect of um, all aspects of the club. And uh, when there isn't that recognition, when there isn't that respect, um, then you know that that will be problematic. And Liverpool Football Club is just about the wrong club to be taking on in that regard. Um, and we all know about how that normally turns out for people. That- I mean, you can also look at Malaga. Look at an example that's outside of here. Malaga, yeah. way back when. Yeah, lots of money pumped into it. Suddenly, you personally want all that money pumped in anymore. Pulled out. What do you mm. do then? 
yeah. what do you do then suddenly you know you went to bed because there was money yay great fantastic money yeah. absolutely fabulous they're bottom of the second division right now mm-hmm. yeah. in spain yeah absolutely um so just going back um to joe then um and this goes back to the joint statement that was issued with the manchester united supporters trust joe um so even the statement itself drew criticism um so i did note that um there's another fan group i'm not sure if it's an official or an unofficial one i think they're called the 1958 um they came out in criticism of um Mass United Supporters Trust saying that they don't necessarily speak on behalf of all fans um, and had a bit of a go for perhaps not consulting. So um, did you have any such response from any of your members? Um, was this statement issued following any discussions with the membership or was it something that was dealt with at committee level um, across the two different supporters groups? Yeah, I mean, I... I- I mean, to, to answer that, I mean, the first thing is that to con- to remember is that we're a democratic organisation. So, so I'm lucky enough to be voted in the AGM last time, um, and then once that once those um, committee members are elected by the membership, then the the, the member the the committee then elect the sort of people to the officers so so it's a bit like any other democratic system really to be honest Mo so you know you think about local government there's a there's a there's a local councillor consult with every single member of their constituency about every single decision that they're going to take in a committee um no they don't what they do is though they 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 take the temperature around and about so they hold surgeries you know they they have conversations with with local residents that's what we do that's what you know, we do every match. That's what we do in in in, uh, in our general conversations with with, with our members. Um, but then, of course, if, if, again, just to, to follow the local government logic, that councillor may then sit on a on a cabinet, which is making a, a you know a big decision about the, the the whole of the whole of its city or its town. Um, again, do they go all the way back, all the way through to speak to every councillor, to speak to every constituent? They don't. What they've done is that they've gathered enough information to be in a position to do that. And you know, one of the one of the constitution aims of Spirit of Shankly is to represent the best interests of our members uh, and, by extension, the best interests of supporters of Liverpool Football Club on both a local and international level. Um, and that's what we've done in this particular case. Um, that's what we're expected to do as the as the executive committee. Um, so, so again, in answer to, to, to then your question, so did we consult? No, we didn't. But equally, we weren't challenged to consult either because this is the norm, because we've been given that executive function to work on behalf of within the constitution that we have. If there was something different and we needed to go to members, then absolutely. So, you know, if, 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 we, if we had... You know, such a, a, a material change in ownership, for example, that we've been referring to. Would our membership be consulted, or would it be the the the, the fourteen of us who are on the committee at the moment? Absolutely, be the membership. That's what we do. 
we would go to there to get the, the, the membership views. And I'm pretty sure that you know by by extension we, we may well be drawing in support board colleagues as well to see what their, their particular groups are in terms of in terms of any ownership issues that are there for the future. Um, so to think that you know we're, we're, we're locked in some room somewhere, you know, shaping everything um, for, for for the fan base um, around ownership. No, we're not. What we do is we use the constitution as we currently have it to best effect. But equally, when we know that there's a need to consult formally uh, with our with our members, we do. Okay, that's useful. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, now, just changing subject to. Um, something else and this is um around uh investment from a nation state which we touched on earlier so um one of the points cities fans regularly highlight um in defense of their owners is that abu dhabi have invested significant amounts of money into regeneration of areas around the city ground and that has in turn created jobs and also boosted that local economy so what would your view be or Spirit of Shank's view be if, for example, the Qatar Investment Authority that has had thus far unsubstantiated links to a potential takeover of Liverpool, um, if they pledged to take over the club but then invest in the area around Anfield, what, what would your view be? I mean, certainly I said earlier, didn't I, that I'd, I'd want... Um, any the current owners and, and new owners um, to follow a lot of the, the, the values that, that we would have in terms of what Shankly would, would, would be talking about in fairness, equity, equality, uh, respect, um, humility, uh, but also ambition as well uh, in terms of that. You know, and, and clearly, as I say, we, we'd be we'd be putting that as I say to the current owners as well as well as as well as any new owners. I, I, I mentioned before about investing in L4, investing in the city. Um, absolutely, I'd, I'd want someone to do that because they'll be they'll be making a lot of money. And if you think about it, though, I mean, that Liverpool Football Club actually generates a lot of income for Liverpool City as well um, through uh, not only its 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 match day experience of what will be you know was it sixty three thousand fans who are coming through the gates next season? Close um, to that, yeah. Um, you know, so that, that, that's that's good news from that point of view. Um, but equally, I think there's something about you know what the club can do as well in terms of working through its foundation to 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 make sure that um, there's there's a flow through of funding uh, in, into the local communities and the wider Liverpool community as well. Um, so we'd be we'd be absolutely holding that mirror up to whoever the owners are. Yeah, yeah. Whoever the owners are. You, you, you then have, sorry, just going to say that. You, so you hold a mirror up to them to about that, but then you've also got to look at well, what what is it that you might also have to amend. So, you know, a, again, if it's a if it's a nation state, so if it's a Russian oligarch, if it's a, if it's a, um, a, a hedge fund, corporate investment agency, or whatever, then then what what are the challenges that they bring in as owners that we might have to also address with them as well. Um, so I don't think you can just say, well, if if A and other just says that they'll invest X, Y, and Z pounds into into an area, that's okay. It's mm-hmm. got to be balanced again. Well, what what's what are the values around that? What's the what what's what does that mean in terms of fairness and equality and uh, um, equity? Uh, what does that mean in terms of um, pride and humility and those kind of things? So you, you can't just have one. 
without the other. It, it, it's a total conversation. I think that's where why you know a lot of the stuff at the moment is is out there, but it can't be challenged because it's just speculation. And until it's not speculation, all you're doing and speculating. And he said, "Oh, I, I remember when he said on the Anfield Index about this." Well. Yeah, but that's just because it was speculating. But the reality yeah. of the situation is that th- this new owner is this type of owner, and therefore we need to have ha- ask these questions as well and get satisfactory answers to them as well to work with it. Yeah, so on, on that subject, um, sorry, uh, Irinda, do you want to add anything to that? Well, I was going to say very briefly that if anyone does actually go to City away or was in the city of Manchester prior to city coming on board and and sorry the um the new ownership coming on board and spending lots of money it was a shithole not talking about main road but the area around the city of manchester stadium wasn't exactly fantastic space i was there in my university between 97 and 2001 come and ask me this is a great club called sankey soap but in the middle of ancos that whole area was just like a drug haven and it was completely run down now when you go there, what I find really interesting is this whole thing about re- they've pumped money into the regeneration of areas around the city ground. Look dead opposite the city ground. Dead opposite it are still the same estates that were there prior to the city ground being there. There are other estates on the other side of it, which look newer and fancier and some affordable housing were there. But the majority of that redevelopment leading up to the ground is new age flats, which are extremely expensive and very difficult for many folks in Manchester to actually go and move into because they cost almost like near London prices. Like it's ridiculous. Right. It's not as straightforward as people seem it to be. Oh yeah, it's a regeneration of the area and it's like, it's not affordable for everybody. Mm. Uh, just um, very quickly on the subject of city. So obviously uh, huge news um, just this past week about um, this uh, set of charges that, the Premier League have levelled against them um, for an assortment of uh, issues ultimately relating to uh, finances and uh, cheating of rules. Um, and obviously that is a, a case that will then go to a commission, potentially will be going to an appeals panel, could be dragged out for some time. But it's interesting that all of this has come about in the same week that um, the Crouch Review or the Fanlet Review um, kind of uh, inspired white paper was due to be published. Um, so just just on that, Joe, quickly, um, what what have you heard about that uh, paper? And I know you did briefly touch upon it earlier on, but um, is there anything that you know you think could be quite a tangible um, outcome from all of that, which potentially could affect? the way in which this whole ownership situation about a potential sale of Liverpool football club could be affected. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of only personal view, but also a bit of gossip amongst the, um, or the clubs that's in the FSA, but it, you know, it's, it, it seems obvious that the independent regulator is going to have more say and more teeth um, in terms of the probity, the accountability of football clubs, um, than, 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 than Premier League clubs in particular want. I think that's right. clear. That's why they've introduced, you know, for example, the, 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 uh, the fan engagement, uh, standards because they want to be able to or wanted to be able to point the finger and say, look how good we are at managing ourselves. 
And I'm absolutely convinced that the announcement yesterday, as you, you just alluded to yesterday uh, before, uh, is that they want us to make that announcement and say, look how good we are at, at challenging our own. We don't need an independent regulator. And of course, all that went to pot because the, because the, the fan-led review then was delayed by two weeks. Um, mm. But I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely, they, they, that's what the Premier League wanted to do. I'm convinced to say that we can, we can look after ourselves. We don't need uh, any regulation whatsoever. Because I think, as we've been hearing, that the regulatory aspect of, of, of the fan-led review will be stronger than what they probably thought of. I think... Yeah. And I think that, I think they're worried on on two fronts. Really, one is that um, they're the ones who are in the firing line of all of this. So everyone everyone will be looking at every everyone in the Premier League. I mean, you know, look at Everton. You know, you know, the unfortunate position that they find themselves in. They'll be right in there in terms of um, any regulatory inputs uh, because they've been put on notice in terms of the the financial fair play. Uh, so, so we know that they're going to be there. I think that the driving force behind this as well, though, is to have appropriate regulation that protects the best interests of the football pyramid. Because, of course, what the Premier League wants to do is to sail off into the sunset in a, in a Super League kind of way yeah. and leave behind the Championship and Leagues 1 and 2. And, of course, what this will do is actually make sure that they can't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think... The white paper is something, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that we can look forward to that ends once and for all, you know, some of the the corporate misbehaviour that takes place within football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, nearly every fan will be in support of that. So, uh, you know, certainly look forward to its publication in a couple of weeks. Um, thank you both for um, staying with us as long as you have. And uh, we are moving in now into the closing stretch. Be glad to know. Um, so, just uh, three more uh, subjects I want to quickly cover, if I may. Um, first of all, um, it's to, going back to the sale issue about uh, Liverpool Football Club. So, if as a result of what's going on, um, FSG end up remaining a sole owners and they don't sell even a minority stake, would Spirit of Shankly ask FSG to clarify their plans? for turning around the club's fortunes or that not sit within the remit for Spirit Shankly? I think in, term, in terms of, you know, what, what happens on a pitch, um, we, we've kind of always left that to, to others to do. Um, now, I, I, I'll, I'll touch on the supporters board in a second because I, I think there is an impact in terms of that. But I think, you know, generally speaking, you know, we're not the ones who go out and say, you know, let's go and buy a defender or let's let's get rid of that defender. You know, it, it, I don't think that's a, what a football supporters trust should do. And it's not within the remit of what the FSA would expect the football supporters trust to do. Um, that said, the impact, though, of, of how a club is managed does have then a material impact on 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 the players on the pitch. Um, yep. So so if if FSG remain in place and and we're continuing on the downward spiral in terms of the current form and it, it lasts longer than we, than we all hope for, um, then I would think that we've got to be looking at well what, what's the long term strategy and that's where the support support then comes in. You know that's where as was, as I said at the start um, the strategic thinking. You know the partnership in, in terms of making sure that we're all we're all part of a long-term legacy is critically important. Um, and, and that we, you know, we'd want to make sure that 
the invest if 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 they I think I talked before didn't I they're getting their credit card getting their own hand in their own pockets or or or, or, or generating income um, as long as that goes on to on the pitch then I think that's that's a, again a mature and sensible way of, of dealing with things um, so we'll continue to do what we would always do which is hold them to account um, I think I think if the major challenge came though um, that if if Klopp came out and said listen everyone. I've gone as far as I can go with the with the players on the pitch, and it's it's actually FSG who's stopping me from doing it. Um, of course, that's the rules are different then, aren't they? Because that that is clearly holding the ownership to account, and that's what that's when we jump in. So, so it's kind of waiting for that before you jump in, but also trying to deal with it through through the means of of support with Harinda and Co uh, through the supporters board to get a long term strategy. That means that we we are you know. In, in a good, steady financial state, but we are investing in the pitch, as I said, that we still need to do um, earlier on. Right. Thank you for that. Now, j- just sticking with the same theme and um, be, being quite doom and gloom about the current situation, if it continued, if it got worse, um, FSG remained and you even had um, Spirit of Shankly members then potentially pushing for um, quite extreme steps, such as protesting outside of Anfield, for example, on a match day against the ownership. How would that sit with SOS's representation on the supporters board? And if that would be a conflict of interest, how how might you manage that? Okay, speculation again, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, I think, you know, I think our, our past has shown that we can we can um, react and respond to um, whatever's placed in front of us with, with a balanced and uh, and well well documented way. Um, so, if there was call for that uh, through our through our our membership, through our wider fan base via the supporters board, or or, or just the, gen- the general worldwide population, of course we, we'd, be, we'd be naive to think that we couldn't listen to that and, and react and respond. Um, but uh, you know. It, how that looks, I genuinely don't know because it because it's not happening today. It, if it happens tomorrow, I'll be able to tell you. But how we react? Um, but are we alive to the the potential of of having to work in a different way? Then absolutely, you know, and, that, and that's that's I think a certain thing. Sort of talked about our constitution before, you know, to represent the best interests of our members and by extension the best interests of supporters. If that's ever breached, then we have to respond and react to that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's um, usual uh, in terms of clarification around that. So, Harinda, was there anything you wanted to add to that in terms of the supporters' board perspective? Uh, yeah, I mean, the official remit of the supporters' board isn't that we we don't get to influence on pitch decisions. Remember, like we can't go and pick the team or tell Jurgen what to go and do, or you right. know, yeah. And and also, isn't it's not, it's almost a bit Man United ish. <laughs> in a way that's, I clarify that. You know, it's like you know, they cry post a loss, and then the scarves come out, and the scarves are green and gold, and then they're given a shiny new toy to make them forget about things. It's like the Toy Story and the aliens and the claw and claw, or the Simpsons joy of sect. You know, the leader is good, the leader is great, kind of thing. Whereby, yeah, they're pat, they're um, placated somewhat. Um, yeah. I don't think we'd be that way, right? Like. 
if you could say that FSG's protracted management led to a decline of the club such that, you know, questions had to be raised in regards to the management strategy, then because of the strategy, yeah, 100%. I think the supporters will bring it up as an agenda item and we'd go for it. Um, the one thing I would state here is that nobody should ever underplay or or think that the collection of fans or the brains amongst the fans doesn't exist. A very intelligent fan base. Very intelligent fan base. And even as a supporters board collectively, there is a lot of intelligence within the supporters board. And also within the existing fan forums, um, there is a lot of intelligence there as well. People who yeah. know how businesses operate, they know how corporations work, and they also then know what fans want. When you marry that together, it's a very powerful cocktail to be able to attack or steer any structure accordingly. Can I just add to that, Arinda? Because sure. you're absolutely spot on with that. Um, and, and the other obligation, of course, we, we were talking, and I didn't want to go into a great deal of detail in terms of what the supporters do in, uh, does in terms of informed consulting consent. But the club has to inform us um, of both their annual accounts, but any financial situation, um, if anything material happens. Um, so we'd be at the head of the game anyway. So we'd be in a position to, you know, to to mobilise, to work with, to support or to challenge. Um, so I think that's where, the, the, again, the, the, the beauty of having the supporters board is, is that it's actually, a, a, they have to do it. Um, so I think probably in these circumstances, the supporters board would probably get advance notice about what's going on and, um, and, and would deal with it accordingly. Right, OK. Um, and then rounding off then, um, back to you, Joe. Um, obviously, every fan of the club, whether they live yards from Anfield or on the other side of the globe, obviously want the club to be successful. However, clearly at this point in time, there are contrasting views about what's in the best interest of the club. And as a result, fan base, um, you know, you can argue, is more fractured than it has been for quite some time. Um, so do you feel fan groups such as Spirit Shankly can play a part in bringing fans back together? And if so, what practical steps do you think can be taken to create that greater amount of unity? Yeah, I think we can. I, th- I think, you know, I, I said earlier that at a time that we need unity uh, to support the team on the pitch, um, we seem to be having a, a bit of a fracture. But it, again, I think, both yourselves and myself said a lot of that fracture is is social media driven at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say it doesn't mean it doesn't represent there's some noise out there. So I think it's important that we don't just brush it under the carpet. Um, but I think in terms of you know sort of the worldwide fan base that we've got, we'll be feeding in through um, through the supporters board. But Spirit of Shankly itself. Um, the, the last newsletter uh, that we sent out um, last week, I think it was, um, it went out to, to, to six thousand people on our on our database. Um, when you look at the postcodes of those people, twenty five percent of them are, are, are across the world. Fifty percent of them are outside of Liverpool. So there's actually only twenty five percent of of SOS members are actually have Liverpool postcodes. Right. Which is significant, really, because I think that's what 
another accusation that gets leveled at us is that we're too locally focused. Um, and we're absolutely not because we're guided by 75% of not coming from the Liverpool area. Um, now, I'd like that to be more. Of course I would. I'd like, I'd like our membership to be more, to get more of a, a supported base. And obviously our followers are, are much more uh, diverse than that as well. Not necessarily members, but, 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 you know, so many, so many followers, you know, into the, the over, over hundreds of thousands of followers. So, you know, that, that's really important to us. And we, you know, we, we, we gained, we gained 110 members last week, um, which I'm hoping all 110 are actually to be supportive of SOS. Um, yeah. But there might be some who, who just want to join just for the, for, the, for the hell of it. I don't know. But that's that's a significant positive. That you know that that means um, you know we're getting even more voices now in terms of driving uh, the potential for change. Um, and yeah, I mean you, you, the, the particular you know the particular point you made, um, making sure that. Uh, Everyone has, a, has, has has something to say and everyone might well have to fracture. Yeah, that's for us. You're absolutely right. That's where we can draw that together. But we need to keep coming back to the fundamentals um, of what kind of a football club do we want uh, in terms of its values, in terms of its principles, in terms of its its uh, engagements, in terms of its equality, in terms of its diversity. All of those things, I think you're right. They're the bits that we can draw it together to try and mould um, a collective view and really get back to, to Shankly's, you know, key principles of, uh, of the fans, the manager and the players being the most important aspects of, uh, of our football club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. And Dorinda, I mean, was there any um, including comments you wanted to just chip in on to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, from my side, it's just a case that we need to rise above the mentality that we're seeing now, right? Like the internet based us and them isn't propagated at match day level like, or in the travelling cop like, no, where, right, wherever, wherever we we do end up being involved it will still equate to the same measures irrespective of colour creed and, and the place called home you know mm. what do the owners represent like Joe said how does that correlate to the values of Liverpool as a city and as a club and you know why do people presume folks wouldn't just be as arms sorry be up in arms about let's say a Chinese state ownership or if it was someone let's say from Russia or if it was fucking Trump you know like it could be so ridiculous but it's just so disheartening when we don't consider the whole picture and we just jump to the money elements of things straight away and like we'll be competitive we have money oh yeah it's not just money when it comes to ownership. So one thing I would say to people, it's not just money. Yeah. That's just too easy and too simplified. And this is Liverpool Football Club. It's an institution we love. Yeah. And you don't marry for money, right? If you do, it's a bit of a silly thing to do, but some people do. It's just not what we're about. Um, and to create greater unity, I, it may sound silly. Sometimes people just need to take stock, calm down. Mm. Yeah. Nobody is trying to second guess what's going to happen. There are opinions that individuals hold, which may not match yours currently. And that's okay as well. Yeah. I don't agree with all the people that say that it should be, um, state owned. It should be this. It should be that. I don't always agree with other people also. I sometimes don't agree with SOS, as I mentioned earlier. They sometimes don't agree with me. That's okay. But together we can reach a consensus. The consensus involves everybody. Fairly, yeah. Well put. Um, so yeah, I mean, let, let's all hope that uh, 
you know, whatever the outcome of this ownership situation is, but also uh, more broadly, you know, um, you know, certainly results on the pitch, which is what it's all really about. Um, you know, we, we see that turnaround, we see that change, and we get back to winning ways. And um, you know, it, it's it's funny how you know wins can make people forget about all the negativity and uh, focus on the positives. And, uh, you know, like I said, at the very start, you know, we, we've been spoiled. We've had some great, great times over the last few years. And uh, let's hope we'll have many more great years to come. Um, so I'd like to, first of all, thank both of you. Um, you know, we have had a marathon podcast here, but there were some very heavy subjects to cover. Um, and I, th- I think you've both done a fantastic job in um, explaining, articulating um, the views and uh, also the stances, um, whether it relates to Spirit of Shankly or the supporters board and um, really been around the houses and co- covered it as comprehensively as as we could have done. So really like to thank you both. Um, and in terms of, um, first of all, Joe, um, if, if any of our listeners are interested in signing up to uh, become a member of Spirit of Shankly, how can they go about that? Yeah, if you go to our uh, website, spiritofshankly.com, um, there's, there's the membership page is, uh, is hopefully the first one you come to and uh, you click the link there and uh, that'll take you through to, to administration. And, and, you know, we'd welcome, we welcome new voices all the time. And, uh, you know, that's what we, we want. We want to grow our, our membership twofold, really. One is to get the voice, but secondly, to continue with those fantastic community opportunities referring to before. Absolutely brilliant. And um, in terms of finding you or Spirit of Shankly on, on social media, where, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Th- I think it's just at Spirit of Shankly. Okay. From memory. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure people will be able to find that. And we'll put that um, link in um, when we post uh, this on, on social media as well. And um, then finally, Harinda. Um, so um, have you got any podcasts coming up here on AI? Uh, no, I'm just too busy with work and life, unfortunately. Um, okay. And then fretting about the Reds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then thinking about Monday and then thinking about Newcastle. And thinking about... So yeah, it's just relentless at the moment, unfortunately. So there's not, new, but not many new pods from myself. Okay, but I'm, I'm sure it won't be too long before we hear your dulcet tones on uh, Anfield Index once again. Um, but uh, certainly, you I can just, be found on social media. <laughs> Go on, Jack. Yeah, just thought, just sorry, just going to say, just that yeah, Herinda's right there about Monday. I'm, I'm, I'm doing another podcast tomorrow where, where, where the, the opening question is in three words: sum up your mood for Monday. Oh. Um, and I can't get beyond just F and win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that sums up for most of us. Uh, my words. Um, normally, so confident before a game against them lot, but. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, and they've got um, a red in charge as well, Mr. Deitch. So, uh, <laughs> yes, a very interesting red. Yeah, well, he's red with a very, very, very worrying streak of blue, which is really worrying. But the Ebbs yeah. seem to like that streak of blue for some odd reason because they had it in Frank Lampard also. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. But, uh, no. Well, let, let, let's all hope for some uh, cheer and uh, three points on Monday. Um, but uh, in the meantime, 
listeners, it's been a long one, but thanks for staying with us. Uh, covered, as I said earlier, um, you know, some pretty heavy subjects, but uh, hopefully we've done justice for you and you've come out of it enlightened a bit more about the work of Spirit Shankly and the Supporters Board. I will next be with you on Money Talks, all being well, um, in just a few weeks' time um, to cover the publication of the annual accounts, which again will create lots more fume on social media. Um, and the only chance there is of me appearing on Money Talks prior to that is if there is some major announcement about um, the ownership situation of the club. Um, but otherwise, uh, expect to hear from me in early March when the accounts will be published. Um, so in the meantime, thanks for listening and up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.